that's honestly my biggest advice. People ask me like, oh, how do you like, like newer jumpers, you know, and I, I, I still consider myself a newer jumper. I'm not, um, but I just consider myself the young kid there, you know. Um, so it's always weird to get people ask advice, but somebody always looks up to somebody. You're always, everybody, you know. And so people are like, oh, what's your advice to like have fun or what, like what's your advice to a newer jumper? Which is just a really broad question. Like, I don't That's know, a really learn broad how to question. land a parachute, whatever. <laughs> but the, the, to me, the real advice is like. What's up guys? This is Kalen with the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. And in this one, we are talking to a guest speaker who is a really good friend of mine. His name is V Buck Prib, and he is a skydiver out of Chelan, Washington, which is my home drop zone. And I met V about eight years ago when I first started skydiving and he started his journey in becoming a competitive canopy pilot. We wanted to bring this, uh, we wanted to bring you guys some different content for this episode and bring somebody that is outside the world of shooting, but is an active, very high level competitor to get a little bit of a view into what goes on in his mind when he's competing at that high level. Currently, V is fourth in the world as uh, a canopy pilot, which is awesome. It's been so cool to see him on his journey of progression and how he trains and how he stays focused to meet his goals. I am super stoked to have been able to sit down and chat with him. I learned a lot, and I hope you guys learn a lot from the episode too. So make sure that you let us know if this is something that you like because we can bring V back on and uh, go a little bit deeper into all the subjects that we discussed. But for uh, the interim, have a listen to the episode, let us know what you think, and make sure that you leave a comment. So thanks a lot, guys. We appreciate all of you. Enjoy the show. Wow. So it's been a while since I've seen you. For sure, man. When was the last time we hung out? What? Early last summer, wasn't it? Would have been, because you weren't out at Skyfest, were you? No, it was early last summer, because you came out early, and then you had family emergency, you had to leave, so it wasn't even like a full weekend. Yeah. Because you were out for a full weekend, <clears throat> and then you like left the trailer at the place or something. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, I was training, um, I trained last summer. There's a few times that I was at the drop zone oh, where yeah, you yeah, were going, yeah, you were out, like, you were either going, you were competing or doing something, but um, I jumped, I jumped pretty, I've jumped for like, I don't know, I logged like 20, 20 something skydives uh, the first part of the summer, getting ready to go do that demo for For sure, Stone that's Glacier. right, I remember that, I do remember that. So, <clears throat> yeah, because you came out and did accuracy stuff on your big canopy, mm -hmm. remember that now. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, it's fun, I think it's fun. All, parach all parachutes are fun, man. You know? All parachutes are fun. Yeah. You know, you get, I get, I'm like a super swoop knob, you know, or swoop snob. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I guess whatever. Um, I'm a fine rifle kind of Yeah, thing. exactly. But so I'm always like, oh, I want to swoop or I want to do this. So I only want to do this one thing, but then I'll fly a big parachute and sure it's not as fun. And it's not really what I want to do. But if you take, if you don't go into it with that mindset, I have a blast. Like, messing around, you're still flying, and mm -hmm. you can still learn stuff that apply. Mm -hmm. It might be very subtle, but you're still doing it is better than not doing it. So. Yeah, well you took one of the modern day sniper uh, goat. Uh, did, their inaugural jump, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> that was cool. I did. Um, that was fun, doing that demo in uh, in uh, Bozeman was fun. That was like, uh, it was um, the way that, uh, the way that the the landing profile is is like uh, it's a major through it's at four corners in Bozeman so um, or just up the road from four corners 
So it's a major intersection that's kind of like south, I think it's southeast Bozeman. Mm -hmm. But uh, you're flying right next to the road. And so like you can hear people honking and stuff so and it's fun. it's pretty fun, yeah. And um, the, the crowd really enjoys it there. And, and we're just like supporting Stone Glacier. They give us so much support. It's yeah, like- awesome. Yeah, and they, they uh, the crowd enjoys it and, and stuff, so. Doing anything with a crowd where you can hear cheering, it just really does make everything better. Sure. Uh, even if you mess up, I think it actually does make things better. Like, yeah. you know, we're doing freestyle at the World Cup and you people are cheering. That's great. awesome. It's just so much fun to be able to hear people, or if you have a good run, to have a crowd there. Yeah. That's, that's just the coolest thing. Yeah. I've never I've never done anything like that um, other than doing demos with skydiving. You know, the couple that we did up at Chelan, and then um, I got really graciously invited to do one with CPS at SHOT Show for- Were you talking about that? Hours. Yeah, for sure. That was pretty, that was pretty intense because there was a lot of eyeballs there and like games on yeah too. games on. yeah it's not just performance it's... and i'm exactly i am literally like the buddhist ass jumper on this team of gangsters that yeah. has tens of thousands of jumps you know and this is like no big deal and i'm this new kid that's just i'm just fucking terrified hey what are the conditions where are you where, where are you gonna go your pattern yeah exactly you were talking about earlier like hey man what's your wing call yeah, yeah right. exactly. I'm going to be like, well, I'm going to part it right. Yup, he was right there. That's exactly That's where I need to be. definitely what I'm going to do. I'm <laughs> not going to do anything yeah, differently. Yeah. Exactly. But it's um, uh, like I've been put into a couple of high consequence parachuting situations and um, like as really relatively low jump numbers. Sure, you did it super early. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, some people would look at that and be like, that's dangerous or that's unsafe. Um, I just, I just got... I was blessed to learn from some really good people in the in the sport. You can't solely go off numbers. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I mean, generally numbers and safety margins and rules are it's kind of the lowest common denominator, right? Like, how do I write this rule? So a rule is we write it so no matter what, if you follow this, nobody's gonna the outcome is always gonna be the same, or it's not gonna be this, um, <clears throat> and that's not always the case, or that's usually not the case for sometimes even the majority of the people, but that's how rules are. So a lot of the times numbers on scale require, allowing you to do something aren't always applied right. So for that case, yeah. you did have the scale, and I, I believe that nobody would have let you do that and you wouldn't have been there if you weren't ready for it. For sure, that's really high consequence. And um, you know, it's just, you know, you gotta, it's a lot of it's like a competitive mindset. You have to be focused and not, you just have to rely on the fact that I've been taught properly. Yep. Now it's now it's my job to execute those skills under this particular set of circumstances. Um, and it's always been so much fun because skydiving to me was not, um, I'm usually pretty good at whatever I do. And I know that that sounds arrogant, but we were talking about this with, uh, um, with uh with somebody else and it's just like yeah i'm i i can see something like if i see like this you know you teach me how to use this widget or i yeah. see you use it i can pretty much pick it up like that's yeah. that's how i learned how to weld yep. that's how i learned how to do um that's how i learned how to do a lot of things right but the things that i really had to work at to learn and to do well at a high level was flying airplanes I really had to work at that, and skydiving for sure. Like I had to, I have to work at those things, 
because those two things, uh, well, flying, I haven't flown in a long time, but uh, skydiving is one of those things that, like, I, and I don't do it enough. Like I'm, That's a huge part of it. Yeah, I don't do it enough. And so, um, but like learning those foundational principles of body flight, like when I first learned how to skydive, my, uh, my mentors on the military free fall side of the house, they said, no matter what you do, don't go try to free fly, you know, yeah. stay on your belly, learn how to do everything that you can on your belly with precision. And when you can do that confidently, then you can move into free fly, but not until then. And they told me stories. They're like, you know, we've had guys come through the military free fall course that it's very evident that as soon as they got their A license, they immediately went to free flying. And now they don't understand the basic principles of belly flight. Sure. Absolutely. And they can't, they're having real big time struggles, flying equipment and heavy, awkward loads and things like that. So I think I was, you know, really, uh, really um you know how what's the word i'm looking for um i feel a lot of ble- a lot of blessed i'm very blessed i can't even speak i'm very blessed to have learned from for sure people like you and i guess before we before we get too deep into this um who is the buck prim the buck prim is me um i <laughs> Finished off Kalen's license, getting his, his skydive rating. Uh, I'm a U.S. parachute team member. I'm a canopy pilot. So what that is is a very small, very high-performance parachute. You dive it straight at the ground, uh, recover and fly through a course, sometimes touching the ground, you know, within within five feet of the ground doing 190 to 100 miles an hour. So super, super fast, super small margin for error. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look up canopy piloting or swooping, as we colloquially call it, that's you'll kind of get a good idea for that. It's, it's a little bit hard to describe. Um, imagine a high-performance airplane uh, with no 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 propeller, so no propulsion other than gravity. So you can do things that induce speed going straight down, and then you use all that energy you created to, and you release that and fly through a course on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm on the U.S. parachute team. I was uh, at the World Cup of skydiving. I placed fourth, so I'm currently ranked fourth in the world. And I will be still representing the U.S. team here in South Africa uh, in September of next year, as well as a bunch of other meets. Dude, congratulations to you, man. Thank you, man. I mean, it's been, um, so I first met you in 2000, summer of 2016. And when I remember when I was making my choice, so I went to Florida, I learned how to skydive into land with uh, Fred Williams at Complete Parachute Solutions. And um, I knew immediately, like, this is something that I was going to do for for as long as my body would allow me to do it. It was just too much fun. Um, And so when I was choosing my drop zone here in Washington, I knew that there was a couple of them. Um, but Chelan was just, was just the best pick because the coaches that I had were like, you know, big drop zones are cool because you're going to be able to turn a lot of jumps and you're going to be able to do a lot more things, but there's just something to be said about, you know, the, the feeling of a small drop zone. And, um, that's what Skydive Chelan was. And so it was the closest to Yakima. And when I came up there, <clears throat> I'll never forget, man, when I came up and um, I didn't really know what to expect. And so um, all I knew that I wanted to skydive. And one of the things that um, that struck me was when I first met you, you were in your early 20s. Right? Yeah, I was probably 22 or 23. So young. 
but at the same time, like I remember when when Todd introduced me to you as my instructor, as soon as I saw you, I was like, you had a mohawk back then. Yeah, it might have and even been a colored mohawk at that point. I think it was like I, a it taller wasn't colored. color. No, it wasn't. It was, right, yeah. it wasn't colored. It was it was tall though. And, and I looked at you and I was just like stereotype instantly. That's the kid that all of my mentors warned me about. <clears throat> I'm like fan fucking tastic. But I thought that right up until the point where you opened your mouth and you started talking and you started teaching. And it was very evident to me that um, you are, uh, you have a, a, an excellent vocabulary and you have a great way of handling yourself in front of students. And I'm, I'm a teacher, it's what I do for mm -hmm. a living. And I think that even if I wasn't teaching people, um, if I wasn't teaching people how to shoot rifles, I'd probably be teaching them how to do something. You usually always end up teaching somebody at the drop zone something. So you always end up, you have the knack for teaching. I can tell. You, all, you always end up teaching somebody. I, I, I enjoy it. And, <clears throat> but when I, when I listen to you teach and then, it's, you know, we, we made that, we made a connection. And it was at that point in time that that stereotype obviously just, just disappeared, went away. And, you know, we've since become good friends and I love jumping with you. I learned something from you every single time. And um, you are a master of your craft, which is why I really wanted to bring you on the Modern Day Sniper podcast. For sure. To, Happy to be here. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very welcome. Um, I think that there's a tremendous amount of parallels in our individual sports. And I've learned a lot from the skydiving world. And I've met some of the best people I've ever known in the skydiving world. And I've also done that in the shooting community sure. as well. So really what I wanted to do is, is bring you here and give our listeners a different perspective or hear a different perspective on what it means to be a high-level competitor. Sure. And you are competing at the highest level. You are fourth in, in the world. Yep, right? yes, sir. That's, that's fucking impressive, dude. It's, it's a task for sure. Appreciate it. Thank you. It's been, it's been a long road and, you know, I'm not done here. Like this is just a, this isn't the goal I set out when I started doing this, you know, goals are always ever changing. That, yeah. that can be a whole nother topic of conversation, but uh, this is definitely the road to get there. And, you know, you have an idea of what you want to do and, <clears throat> you know, you have an end goal, right? But uh, the road, you don't know what that's gonna be like till you're doing it so it's been a lot of fun and a lot a lot of work but i enjoy putting the time in and putting the work in because you started you started swooping pro you said just kind of before i i came to the drop zone so in like early 2016 well it's kind of a it's a hard thing to say because like you don't just start learning this you don't just all of a sudden like oh here's a small parachute and learn to do it you you have to learn the fundamentals just like shooting you know to shoot a, a long-range rifle you probably could just show up and start learning how to do it but you need to learn the fundamentals of what it, what is it what even is a firearm how right. does it work exactly what are you know what is this and how do i use this uh, effectively and safely same thing happens with skydiving so i had probably 50 60 jumps it was my first summer and i saw somebody swoop and looking back it was actually probably a pretty pitiful swoop but <laughs> at the time i'm like that's the coolest shit i want to do that um, and I talked to Todd, and, who was my mentor, and I'm like, how do I, I, knew, I know you do that, how do I, uh, how do, I do that? Yeah. And so I, my swoop progression started at 50 jumps because I was told you need to learn how to land a parachute safely, which I, I was at that point, I was licensed, but you need to be able to land it anywhere, any day, any conditions. <clears throat> and then once you can do that, 
now we learn how to make the parachute fly better. You just need to be able to make the parachute fly at first. So that's the fundamentals, just like anything else. You have to need to learn the fundamentals before you can apply anything new. It's exactly the same thing in shooting. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> it's kind of weird because people think when you're swooping, you start, you know, that's when you got the small parachute. And I say like 50 jumps roughly because that's when I had the idea that I want to do that. And I started, and as soon as I kind of have an idea, I'm usually pretty focused on what I want to do. Right. Um, and so I was like, hey, I need, I, I want to do that. And uh, everything from then on was focused on that completely. So even if I wasn't doing something that was necessarily swoop related, I would always like, how can I apply this? How can I apply swooping to this? And how can I learn from this to do that? Because that is the total end goal. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, your progression starts like right there. And just like my skydiving mentors started me on that road, that was the same thing that you got. And we see that a lot with students that, you know, we want, we look at them and we're like, okay, they ask us, where, where should I start? Like, where should I be? And, um, and the, the best thing that we can get is somebody who has zero experience. Mm -hmm. I've tried to prove, I've tried to validate the training program, excuse me, several times, um, Cassandra being, being a perfect okay. example, right? So no, a, an individual has no understanding whatsoever other than that's a firearm. Right. No clue of how any of it works, right? Um, maybe the trigger because yeah. it's the, the yeah. easiest. Everyone knows how the trigger works, right? Yeah. So, but being able to take her from, uh, let's see, she went, uh, she did um, the intro class, and then a couple weeks later, um, just shy of a month, she went and shot a rifle match mm -hmm. with us up in Colville. And um, she ended up shooting 44% of the winner's points. I was the winner. Yeah. And so she was super elated, and it was beautiful to see because... She just did what she was taught how to there do. There you go, for sure. And so that's where we find the biggest success with our students is, is people who either don't know anything or are truly capable of just submitting to the process. That's the hardest part. Like if you have a dude that is, that is uh, or, or gal for that matter, there's a lot of females that are shooting now too. <clears throat> um, if they've got like preconceived notions, years and years of, of, uh, neural pathways that are wired in the wrong direction, sure. right? It's like wired. I tell the students basically, it's like when we first start doing something, just like wiring your house, right? We want to really think through that wiring process and how we want all of those switches and lights and fixtures. Because as soon as we, you know, insulate sheetrock, mud, now we got problems. A lot harder to get to. Exactly, sure. it's a lot harder to get to, right? So our neural pathways are exactly the same way. So if we like, if we build this massively myelinated neural pathway one direction, <clears throat> it takes a tremendous amount of, of focused effort to to build another one that has even more. Because it's not like um, you you have to do that. You have to reprogram and rewire your brain. So learning things from the foundational principles is very important. It's huge. And, and so you rely on that in, in skydiving, and we rely on it in the same thing in the shooting world because what we want is the execution of the... We want the execution of the fundamentals of marksmanship to come from the subconscious mind. I, exactly. I couldn't say that better. And that's to me, that's anything you want to do well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> obviously, in the beginning, you need to focus on the fundamentals to do stuff. But once you get to a, like a super high level... 
the fundamentals should be so there that you don't, you almost don't even need to, if somebody asks you about the fundamentals, you might actually have to think like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. I guess I do, I guess I do this or I do that. But because it's so ingrained in your head, I don't know. Right. I actually, I, because that's just, it, it, they're just so, they're such a, such a constant thing. I like to look at a lot of the stuff like a scientific study, you know, like if we're training, well, we only change one thing. In right. science, they change one thing and at they have time. all these constant things. So you don't change all these other things because you might get a great outcome, but you don't know how you got there. Right. And so it's the same kind of thing. You need to be um, constant. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. And, and it's like it paid off. It, it's paid off dividends um, in, uh, in, the war, in everything, in the things that I have done. Like uh, as an example, I got out of the Marine Corps and I came up here to Washington. I had no idea how to weld, none whatsoever. And through guidance and mentorship of a couple key people, yep. I was able to learn how to weld. I was able yeah, to not only learn sure. how to like MIG, stick, TIG, both aluminum and stainless. Sure. And and it was just like, okay, well, if this is how I got to do the thing, then I guess that's how you can do it. And, and some things definitely are easier so like there's all types of ways to learn. Everybody learns differently. I'm a very visual learner. I, I'm similar to you. If I see it done, yep. I know how to, I can see that done now. So for skydiving, it's kind of tricky because it's a, it's a very feel thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually, that's why a lot of people can really, really struggle at learning it. Um, because one, maybe sometimes their instructors aren't the best or not teaching to them. They might be a great instructor, but maybe they don't teach the right way they learn. Sure. Um, but then at the same time, it's different ways to learn. So like my, my actual job as a tree worker, um, I can see something done. I can see something do something a different way. And I'm like, oh, I know. I just learned a new way to do that. Mm -hmm. And so some jobs and some tasks are really easy to learn that way. Welding is also one of those. Yep. Where, oh, I've seen that done, so I know how to do that. Yep. Um, but not everybody learns that way. And that can be really tricky when you're learning. Because if you don't know how you learn and you can be like, man, I'm really struggling. I'm hiring, I'm getting coaching from this guy who's the best and I don't feel like I'm learning. Yeah, it could be just that, it's that barrier, right? That For sure. And you might learn from this, some, some guy who's good, but just some schmo at the range or wherever. And you're like, oh, that just clicked all of a sudden. That guy's not even that good. Well, because that person knew how to explain it or teach it. Yep. That's you were able to grasp it. Exactly. Done. Yeah, for sure. And that was what I, you know, when I, when I first started communicating with you, I was just like, yeah, because I mean, I related to you because I was in your shoes when I was teaching people when I was that age and at, um, I mean, a pretty freaking high level, you know, we were at that age, I was responsible for <clears throat> producing Marine Corps snipers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Whoa. I look back, I'm 44 years old now. You know, I look back on that and I'm just like, holy shit. It's a lot of responsibility uh, on a 22 year old. Yeah, for sure. Know? And so um, I think, you know, that we were just talking about visualization earlier and something just kind of came to mind and we've kind of touched on it a little bit um, and like how I'm usually really good. I, things come to me very easily, right? Like we were just talking about like the things that were not in, were not, were flying, yep. piloting airplanes and skydiving, but everything else was like really easy to learn. Mm -hmm especially in the military side of the house. Yep. It didn't matter what I did. Um, like I was never a machine gunner, sure. right? So I was never a machine gunner. So 
but I had read about machine guns. Yep. I had read so many books when I was a kid. I had read, I was just like this fiend for that kind of information. And I read both fiction and nonfiction. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I could literally visualize, visualize myself executing these tasks. Like that was my goal. That was my vision. That was my dream. For sure. So I could see myself as a, as a, as a young, as a young boy, I could visualize myself doing that when I got older, right? Going older. So that when I did have the opportunity to do that task, it felt like it was just like, oh, I've done this before. In my mind, I had done it For before. Sure. And so it was like, bam, okay, you want me to, you want me to, you know, dis dis disassemble and reassemble a, a Browning M250 cal machine gun? Sure. Okay. I need to see it maybe once. Right. You know, and then it's like, okay, I got it. For sure. Um, and I think that's, you know, in large part because like the visualization is very important, but I think you have some great points in visualization in the sense that it just doesn't work for you. Well, there's also levels to it. So you have to look at, um, like what's the outcome, right? Or what's going to happen if that visualization is a little bit off. Yeah, so yeah. like in your, in your, your, your analogy of taking apart M2, okay. Well, what happens if it's a little bit different? Oh, well, I'm gonna look around and be like, ah, actually, there's the little things there, and I'm yep. Like and the grand outcome doesn't make any difference. But if your visualization is in, oh, I'm at the biggest competition of my life, and I'm winning if I make this what I'm about to do, and let's say you visualize, yeah, just, just, eh, eh, a little bit wrong. Well, that little bit wrong at a high level is a total difference. Sure. And so now you're not, you're adapting to something that hasn't happened and you're training for something that could happen like that. But when it doesn't happen like that, you're actually training just like you put the wiring in wrong for something else that hasn't happened. So now at a split second, and depends on what you're doing for swooping, it's pretty quick. We have to undo all this wiring, redo all the wiring, do it right. In real time. In real time. And that is, and it sounds small because you're like, well, maybe I visualize rolling out here versus rolling out there. Sounds pretty small. But then when you roll out over here, it, oh, what the holy shit. Or I, visu I, vi I visualize this shot hitting center or whatever i'm not much of a i'm not a marksman like you guys so that's we're gonna have to work with that. no you're you're not wrong yeah so then when or i visualize this stage and all of a sudden like i i messed up the first like i messed up the first stage now what do i do right yeah. well i visualize for something that so the margin you have to look at the outcome of like okay is the margin i just maybe fumble for a second or maybe i Look at what's going to happen if it's not right or if that visualization doesn't work for you. In, ge in general, I do visualize on the grand scheme. As you were talking about, like, learning how to do something, absolutely. I'll, I'll see it. I'll visualize through it. But when I think of visualization, I, I see, like, in a competition or in training, like, visualize. I do this. I do my turn. I do that. I don't do that because that, to me, is detrimental because the human aspect is very hard to make everything perfect. I've actually seen you do that. Um, <clears throat> I've seen you, uh, obviously I've ridden the plane up to altitude many, many times with you. And like your demeanor is always very consistent. You don't have, sometimes, you know, you can see with different people where it's like, okay, we got work face on. Yeah. Or that we've got, you know, fun face on. You're really even keeled in that realm. And so 
when you're when you're preparing to do that. I have seen you in the airplane do you know do do a visualization, but is that something that you've since abandoned? You've known me long enough. You've probably seen me go through I'll stages. Go through things, yeah. That was the stage where I'm like this. I had learned about it. I read about it. I, yeah. It's like the psychology behind it makes sense. Sure. I'm do this. Well, you're so, trying something to see that if it works. All the people that are really works. good do this yeah. so that's that equation i'm going to do their equation and that'll make me good it'll make me as good as them it doesn't work that way it didn't work for me now i've i've learned to be like you know what stop like sometimes people think i have tourette's because or people, i don't know if they actually think i have tourette's but i'll be like in the plane because it, it usually like you might not be the first person out of the plane so you might take off you'll see the conditions and then you might be the last pass or the last person out so maybe there you'll be up in the plane for 15 minutes. So that's basically 15 minutes. You can't look at the conditions. You're right. If you completely change it, you can look out at a windsock. That's pretty much it. So you can't really do much. And I'll be out there and I'll be, I'll feel myself slipping into like over-focus, over-visualize. This is important. And I'll have to tell myself like, stop. Like stop. I'll literally shake my head and be like, stop. Right. Like, don't, you're not, we're not doing this. Because when I focused and over-visualized on stuff, I found it was de detrimental to my performance. Yeah, I can I can totally see that because you're you can overanalyze things, like um, paralysis by analysis. Try to walk while explaining your how to walk. Okay. Yeah. Totally. I can see explain how to breathe. Yeah. The how to breathe. Yeah. It's what do I do? I uh, I guess I take my and as you're explaining it, I'm like, oh, I actually have to like breathe. We've been breathing, like we've been breathing our whole lives since the same type of thing. Yeah. So there's, there's a balance. You have to, you can't just create one cut and dry like thing that's, that's that Dre's for success. Yeah. That's a totally fair and thing to say. In a certain place it might work well and in other places it might not. Have you ever heard of uh, the, the four levels of consciousness when it you comes have. to these? Or maybe I have, but enlighten me because it doesn't so sound familiar. Layer one would be um, unconscious incompetence which would be the equivalent of you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. right? So that's like the baseline, right? Um, incompetence is like a lot of people look at it as a derogatory term. It's just, it's literally just a word to describe the fact that you're uneducated in an area. And then unconscious means that I don't, I'm not aware, yep. right? Then the next layer above that is conscious incompetence, which means I've discovered, I've learned what I don't know, right? And then the next layer above that is conscious competence. Means I can, I'm competent in executing this task, but I have to use conscious thought to do yeah, it. For sure. And then obviously the level that we want to get to is unconscious competence. Mm -hmm. So we're doing things, we're pulling things from the subconscious. Now, um, one of the books that we've been discussing quite a bit in the shooting community as of late, I was first introduced to it by my friend uh, Mike Lilly. Um, I want to say several years ago, three or four years ago, and I was never really focused on being a good competitor at that point in time. I've never really taken a, a pointed focus at being a good competitor. I've always just used competition as a way to validate my skills yeah. to say, okay, like, where am I at? Like, what do I need to sharpen? What do I need to, you know, uh, tune in on, focus on whatever. Um, so I would consider myself to be a good shooter, mm -hmm. but I'm not a very good competitor yet. And so that's what I have to learn how to do is, is be a good competitor. Mm -hmm. And Philip um, 
the co-founder at Modern Day Sniper, um, he's a, an, an extremely avid competitor. And so that's where he cut his teeth. Yep. And so this, this uh, you know, the, this book with winning in mind, written by this guy, Lanny Basham, who won um, several gold medals in the late 70s. Mm -hmm. um, he speaks about the three parts, right? So the three parts is the uh, subconscious, mm -hmm. right? We have the conscious mind, and then we have a self-image. Right. So the, the, the conscious mind is basically what triggers the subconscious to go to work. Mm -hmm. The conscious mind interprets conditions. It identifies, you know, wind speeds. Yep. It identifies, you know, where you're at in the pattern. On the shooting side, it identifies wind and and all those things. And then, what is the thought process is that the conscious mind then fires off the subconscious. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's the trip. It says, "Okay, go to work." Yep. Right. Because we can only focus on one thing. Like I can only think about that. This this is a Godox widget. Yep. Like while I'm thinking about that, there's nothing else going on in my conscious mind because it just can't focus on anything else. But the subconscious mind can execute, you know, millions and millions and millions of things at once. And then the other part of that, the third part of that is a really interesting component called the self-image, which is how we visualize and view ourselves mm -hmm. from the inside, sure. right? Like as an example, if we show up to the firing line for a stage and you're thinking to yourself, I hope this bullet hits the target, your self-image is misaligned with what your goal is. Your goal is to put a bullet in the center of that target. So you have to believe truly mm -hmm. that it is like me to hit this shot. It is like me to hit every shot that I take because that needs to be programmed into your mind in order for you to truly believe that it's going to happen. Yep. So like, um, like teaching, teaching a kid how to play, play ball or mm -hmm. play catch or go to bat. Yeah. If you look at the kid and you say, whatever you do, don't strike out. Yeah. What's probably going to happen. Right. He's probably going to strike out because that's the lat number one. It's the last thing that he heard. Mm -hmm. And number two, now the self-image is terrified that if I don't, if I don't do this, then something bad's going to happen, right? And so that's where the self-image comes in, which is, and what Lanny's thought process is that it's an equal spacing. Like we have to have equal distribution of these energies, uh -huh. right? In order for everything to come into that quote-unquote flow state. Sure. Um, which is obviously a really cool place to be. We've all experienced that before. But the goal is to just be able to drop into that instantly yep. and do it on demand. For sure. Right? Yeah, so absolutely. Like for you, when you're dealing with, like as I learn how to be a competitor, I'm, I'm asking people, mm -hmm. like, what mm -hmm. are the tools that you use to drop into that moment, like when you need to? I mean, I get Tourette sometimes. Like, I, I, like, I will, I'll, you can use physical things to be like, no. Like, like I've found... You kind of need to train, like when you're training, you learn all these, inf all this information about physical stuff, mental stuff. Like, okay, this is where I want to be, and I, I really like to try to train like I compete. So if you want to compete, very focused and very serious, very visualized, um, train like that. 
obviously, because you you know if you're once you go to a competition, it's already different. So let's like let's try to go back to that scientific thing of if it's a scientific study, let's change as minimal as possible. That's the best outcome for success. So try to keep it as much the same as you can. Um, and to me, that means take competition very lightly. Obviously, it is very serious to me, but there's no point in taking it so seriously that you're now detrimental. You're not doing it like you're trading, right? So I'm always messing around. I am taking it seriously. It just doesn't say I try to do it lightheartedly. Um, and then there's the more broad of like, hey, I'm at a competition today. What do I do? And then there's the more like in the moment of like, okay, now I'm going up. This is my, I don't know what you guys call it, a set. Or like for me, this is my run. So for you guys, this is my stage. So I'm actually like, I'm ready. I'm going to the stage. Mm -hmm. To me, those are two different things, right? Um, I like to stay. I really don't want to think about it too much in the overall scheme. Um, I truly, I kind of do the less is more thing. Uh, for me, if you don't think about it, if you don't even think about an outcome, then you don't even have to realize, oh, I hope I miss or, or I, hope I, I hope I hit it. And you don't even have to worry about that. So when you're there, turn it off. Mm -hmm. It's off. I try to be as off as possible um, when I get into for me, it's the plane, or when I get out of the plane, I like to be completely off. Got it. So is there an initiating action that you take, um, like in the plane? Is there, what's your routine? What is uh... Um, not really, I guess, with my routine. Obviously, you get in, there's just like the safety checks, but that's totally normal. That's, every time, that's a fundamental, and that's, a, that's subconscious. I don't really even have to check that. Um, I try not to, I guess the biggest ticks I have is when I actually start to think about something, I consciously tell myself to stop. Got it. Like if so I'm like, oh, I should check the wind because, okay, well, sometimes, yeah, do check the wind, but I'm on the third pass, so I don't need to check the wind on the second pass. I need to check the wind when I'm in the door because that's the only time it's really going to matter. The only time it matters more is when I'm actually swooping. Um, so I try to use my own self as that barometer to be like, oh, you're starting to think about this. Stop. Interesting. Um, okay. And that's a, you don't see a lot of people doing that, or you at least don't hear people, a lot of people talking about that. Um, you see, visualization is huge. It probably has been huge a lot, but you hear about it a lot these days. Yeah. Um, and the concern with visualization to me is that what if it's slightly different? And at a high level, it makes a difference. In the grand scheme, you can you if somebody doesn't know what they're looking at, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, well, you were great. That was fine." And I go, "Well, that was a that was 0.2 seconds behind the leader, so that was actually 18th place. That's a big deal. That's how that's so that's your that's the measure right there. Like that's the two tenths of a second. Well, and that's just a great example. Or like that was uh, I touched you know five meters before the gate, and so that that dropped me down to fifth or something. I don't know because if I would have done this. And you also got to be careful with that. Don't play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game. Yep. You know, give yourself a hard enough, to, or not a hard time, but give yourself the criticism you need to learn, but not so much criticism that you're Don't push it beyond that. Exactly. Um, and so I, I usually like to do things that are actually physical, that like little ticks. So like, for example, if I have a, if I have a bad run, which is really easy to like give advice when you're doing well, right? But when you're when you're doing poorly, it's really really I'm my own worst enemy, right? I just absolutely can hate myself. I think that's pretty much I pretty mean, much like, everyone. We all right? are yeah. our own worst enemies. Um, but it's hard to like let it go, especially in a meet where it's important, or you did good the last meet and now you just blew a round. Maybe you didn't even blow the meet. Maybe you can totally come back. Doesn't matter. It's still really hard. 
I like to have physical things that I go, okay, I can give myself a hard down. I learned this from another swoop, right? I didn't actually come up with this. Is that, so where you land and where you pack is always usually a different spot. There's, yep. you, should have to, you always have to walk. Um, so I go, as soon as I set my gear down, I need to be done. I, whatever is go, I can, I can hate myself as much as I want. You can do whatever, turn it off and get over it. Once your gear, once you take your gear off, once you're in the hangar, and actually more realistically, as soon as I take my gear off, that's when it's like, you need to stop. Yeah, for sure. That's a great thing, man. That's a great, that's a great piece of advice. And that's a, and that's everyone you can, you can choose it for you. It could be, you know, whatever somewhere always has. So like, let's for you guys, it'd be like, what is, what does every range have? Yes. Or what does something, okay, maybe as soon as I pick up my last piece of empty brass, do you need to, you need to get over this? Yeah. So that's a great well, thing. You know, insert thing. It's a physical thing yeah. that keeps you in check. Yep. Just, so for us, it would be like, you know, you would, you know, as soon as the time's up, you know, you make a complete ri safe rifle, right? Take your mag out, pull your, your bolt back, mag out. Um, and then usually somebody's there to pick up your brass for you yep. to kind of keep the flow going. Everybody kind of takes turns doing that. But then like my routine is as soon as I'm done with that, my brain is kind of scrambled eggs in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I do a post-fire check, which is I return my scope to zero, my elevation turret, drive to zero, make sure everything's set, uh, make sure the rifle's safe, and then I'll take everything. By that time, somebody's handed me my brass. Yep. And then I take my rifle over to the safe area. And as soon as I'm at the safe area, the next thing that I do is um, I store my empty brass in my bag. I reload that magazine. And usually by that time, I've had enough time to kind of like mellow out yep. and kind of, you know, unscramble my brains, so to speak. And then what I'll usually do is I'll start, uh, I'll jot notes down from the stage because it's fresh in my mind. Um, do you take notes at all when you do that? Not really. Um, it's a very, no, one, I'm not great at writing. I mean, I can physically write and great at spelling, but uh, pretty bad handwriting. So to me, writing is just a detriment. Yeah. Taking note taking sure. or like log books, I absolutely hate sure. that. Sure, sure. Um, so no, I'm not really a note taker. You don't see a lot of that. Um, it's also not quite as mathematical as you guys are. Like in the sense of like it's less numbers oriented. Yes. Like it, it's it's all the same. So like oh the density altitude is this and that affects that. Perfect. Or the wind, the quartering wind, or all of the all of it's all the same thing because right. it is just we're flying through the air. We are the bullet. Mm -hmm. We're a human sized bullet going a lot slower, but we're still going pretty. You know. Yep. And so it's all this, the same principles apply, but it's less. I can't go oh I'm gonna hold this. Because I'm up, I'm up there going like I, all I can do is be like, well, I'm gonna turn a little lower or a little higher. But as soon as you start your turn, you know you're not looking at anything anyway. So maybe your the whole dynamics can change anyways. Right. And that's the whole like that's a swoop specific thing. I could talk for days about that. Sure, sure. But it's less mathematical, so I think some of that lend. That's why it doesn't lend to, to note taking as well because it's just not quite the same. Well, for us going back to that, hey, you're done. Right. Yep. It could be, you know, once you, you know, once you complete that, once you complete your, your true post-fire check. For sure. And you stand up and go back to the, to your glass, like, yeah, you should be done. That, that's a great thing. I'm going to probably implement you, that. You do need to use, you need to give yourself time. It can't be immediate because you can't just expect to give. Your you got to feel those time. feelings, right? For sure. You absolutely um, have to. And this is a total separate, well, not even separate, but this is a, have you ever heard of bilateral stimulation? 
No. So it's left, right, left, right, and alternate like that. It's actually, there's a type of modality for like uh, trauma therapy called EMDR. That, that's actually where I learned this from. Um, but so like walking is a great example of running because it's left, right, left, right. So you notice how when you're hiking or walking, like your thoughts are always different than if you're just sitting there? Totally, absolutely. Bilateral simulation. Got it. So a lot of times walking, and that's why for me, walking back to the hangar, I'm going through different things in my head where if you're just stationary, it might not. So there's no one thing that I can't recommend or say exactly what to do for somebody because everybody's do different. Do something, but you also need a physical check. I mean, you need like, imagine a coach being like, hey, kid, get your head out of your ass. Like you got a game to play. Yep. Sorry, you fucked up. Figure it out. It's the same thing, right? But it, like, you, sometimes you need that physical thing because it's really easy just to sit down and be like, I suck. Right. And just sit there until like, oh, your next stage. Like, oh, shit, now I got to do my thing. Yep. And you're behind the power curve. Right. Where if you would have just been like, all right, really hate myself right now, but the hangar's there. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you know? Let's get back the on thing. the airplane. Exactly. Yep. Um, and that's that's a huge thing. And on another, on a little side note, I definitely recommend trying to be the competitor you want to compete against, um, which is easy to say when you're doing well. It's sure. hard to say when it's hard to do when you're doing that's poorly. That's a great point. But like you know, I, I had a point. I had one season I started well, halfway through the season and just went to shit. The rest of the year was pretty bad actually. Um, but that first meet where it went really poorly, I was not very fun to be around. You know, I wasn't mean, but I was like, man. You really need to, you need to be a better, you need to be a better competitor because I wouldn't, that's not fun for me if somebody else is like that. And I saw there was a, when you, the first year you go into the open class, it's like, it's a huge shock because you go from being like the best amateur to being the worst open. Um, And I saw a beginner kid, it was his first year open. He's good, but you know, not as good as we are because it's his first year doing it. You can't expect to be. and he had kind of a poor run and he was kind of being hard on himself and his mom was there and he's like, oh, it doesn't matter, the meat's over. Just kind of just being, being kind of shitty, not mean, but I'm like, hey man, I get it, been there, there right now actually. I just blew my meat, but you wouldn't know because I'm over here giving you advice and not even that I'm better, that's not even what I'm saying, but it's like, be the person you wanna be because somebody's gonna look up to you and not even necessarily in that either, but like, it just really makes it better and to me, that's also another good challenge to be like, well, get your head out of your ass. Like, it, the more I'm thinking about this challenge of, oh, I better be over this by the time I put my gear down, well, now I'm not thinking about my fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a good point there. You know? No, that's good. I like and that. And so, or then even like, and that can be even on a, on a, a smaller level or a more acute level while you're actually competing. Like there'll be times in, in canopy piloting, you're like, you're all landing roughly at the same, you're in the sky together. And so the person in front of you can only go so fast or so slow before you catch up to them. But you also can't go too tight or land out of order because then that just messes everything up. So there'll be times where I'm like tight behind somebody because I'm either messed up, I went fast or they went slow, doesn't matter. I need to slow down, but it's challenging because I need to fly in a way that's not normal for me because I'm not normally flying holding for somebody mm-hmm. um and that's usually when i do usually those runs are pretty good actually um or it's the same time like i had a friend he was actually a recon sniper he we both made the u.s team together and he had uh curtis taylor curtis taylor i don't know right, man. curtis taylor shout out there you go if you're watching man uh <laughs> team team yeah baby <laughs> um but he had he had like a pretty good meet for at nationals and I didn't know this, but he was like sick as a dog the whole time. 
And I don't know if this was actually the case for him or not, but I know sometimes like when you're not feeling well, or you're not thinking about what you're doing, you're just thinking about like, man, I just, that don't feel good. Sucks. Yeah, that's what I get this over with. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you need. You need that physical thing to turn your brain off. I really like turning my brain off. All right, man, that's a that's a good perspective. And basically what you're doing at that point is just relying on your training um, to take control mm -hmm. and and do the thing. Yep. And that's um, obviously at a, at a high level um, in the beginning level. Don't turn your brain off. Um, this is all once you've gotten the fundamentals of course, all yeah. subconscious. Um, Absolutely. You know, on a certain level, some advice doesn't work. This, you know, it doesn't cross over yet. You know, like you couldn't take advice from somebody who's at a certain level because it just doesn't apply quite there. So you always just need to be somewhat introspective on where you are and if it applies to you. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to listen to it, but it might not. For sure. It might, it very well could not, yeah. Well, we see it too, like, um, different levels of awareness and I'm sure it's the same thing in canopy piling and I mean it was as I started to downsize in my canopies and started to notice that hey you know things start happening faster mm -hmm. things are more sensitive um, and in the shooting world your your visual process will so as an example right so when I look through my rifle scope and I line my sights up on my target and I press the trigger if my body position is correct and the rifle's connected me properly um, and I've got, you know, a competition rifle, which means it's, it's heavy, heavier, um, it's got a muzzle brake on it to keep the muzzle down because I need to see exactly what that bullet just did on the target. Yep. It needs to, I need to be able to read what it did on the plate so that way if I need to add wind or take wind off, the way we say it's not a hit, if it's not center, it's still a fucking miss because we want the student in that mindset to always correct for center if you can. Now, when things, when you're first learning this, your students can't see, they, they can't, they might be able to recover from recoil quickly, uh -huh. but, they're, but they're not primed, their brain isn't primed to pick out what's important. Yeah. The brain's seeing the information, right? It's coming into the eye, it's coming, it gets processed through the brain, and into the nervous system, um, but we don't know what's important yet. And that's at that ec that higher level of, of competing, you're learning what's important and you're priming your brain for what's important. You guys just heard the term cone of awareness? Um, you know, uh, we have a guy that does, uh, the he does a class for us called the Psychology of Observation. Mm -hmm. And it, it might be the same thing. Uh, he, uh, he and I were in the Marine Corps together and he ran the Marine Corps uh, program, it's called Combat Hunter. Mm -hmm. And what it was, it was to train reconnaissance assets, snipers, reconnaissance Marines, uh, forward observers, things like that, on human mannerisms. Mm -hmm. What are people most, what are their, what's their body language telling them, you know, learning how to interpret tracks. Not a full-blown tracking course, but more along the lines of uh, instilling a little bit of tradecraft yep, in people sure. and, and getting people to start looking at body language, nonverbal cues, things like that. So maybe in the same re level. You level can probably point. explain it way better. Go than for it. What, um, do you, what do you got? It's essentially, imagine there's a, actually, I'm going to try an analogy here for shooting. You guys are way better at this than I am. But imagine you have like your, your adjustable 
your adjustable scope. So yeah. you have a target. Yep. And the first thing is like, oh, it's way out there. I'm just going to crank that up so I see nothing but the target. Yep. Great. You see the target. But you don't see anything else. Correct. So initially when you're learning, that's your cone. You yep. just see this one thing. And the better you get, the more you can kind of zoom out. And as you zoom out, that cone gets bigger. So now you can see, oh, there's that little bush moving. Or there's little this. Or now you're farther back and you can see your mirage. And I'm really reaching to hopefully I'm you're getting saying, all, the, all the... No, you're saying all the right things, stuff, right? Pete. You're saying um, all the right things. And as you get more competent, um, confident, and current, I feel currency is a huge thing. I feel my, current, my cone of awareness get really small when I'm not current. When I'm current, I'll be doing my turn and I can see... I'll, I'll still be doing the thing coming out over 100 miles an hour and I'll be looking at the water, oh, the water just shifted or this or that all while I'm doing that same thing. But initially that first one of the year, even sometimes if I haven't jumped for a couple of weeks, that first jump, I'm like, man, it, it feels fast. I feel like I'm like yeah. my eyes are getting pulled back. I can't see it all. I right. feel like I'm blind. Yeah. I'm not, but there's that cone of awareness gets narrower as you are uncurrent or uncompetent, I guess, or... That's not not a dig. That maybe rough. The best term. Yeah, rough, rough for sure. Um, so that cone of awareness is huge, um, and I try to try to gleam as much as you can. That's not just the target. That's not just that one thing. And that's I think, a freaking excellent. That's a, that's an excellent analogy because that's really the truth. Um, when you're uh, when you're rusty, I went to a match last weekend and I hadn't shot uh, I hadn't shot a rifle match in in several months, um, and. You know, I handicap myself because I'm still in this, I'm not in that competitor's mindset yet. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go film this. And I'm going to try to capture this. And I'm going to try to, you know, um, do all of these extra things. And it's just like, you're, you're kind of an arrogant ass because you're, you're rusty. You're not ready for that yet. When you're, when that, when that cone of focus widens back out, yeah. right? When I'm able to have that bandwidth to process more information, yeah, then we'll let's start adding the camera back in. Let's start adding the other things. But coming into this cold and rusty, it just wasn't a smart idea. And I, and I got what I got. So, um, and it was just a level of focus and concentration that wasn't where it needed to be or where it needed to be. And so, um, and I was, I was trying to do uh, I was trying to shoot with a suppressor, mm -hmm. and a suppressor has um, uh, a bigger recoil impulse than okay. a muzzle brake, so you have more side picture movement. Yep. And I was also, I elected to shoot a heavier bullet, which inherently has more recoil. So you start stacking all of these layers on top of layers and being rusty at the same time. It's just like, yeah, man, you need to train more. Back to that, like, Back keep to it like science, board. man. It yeah. really, you, gotta, you wanna try to keep it as, as much as you can. Um, and especially the better you get, the higher you get in competition, the more that makes a difference. In the beginning, like when, if you're first learning how to do this, if you could just be the best at doing the fundamentals, or I guess in theory, if we're all just the best at fundamentals, we'll be the best, but it doesn't really work that way. If you just focus on the fundamentals and you're good at it, okay, maybe I change, maybe I change weights. Maybe I'm shooting a suppressor, not a muzzle brake. There's more of this, but focus on the fundamentals it's the margins aren't that tight, you'll probably be top of your class. Mm -hmm. At mm -hmm. the highest level, it doesn't work that way. Nope, it does not. And so, you know, once again, it goes back to like, wh where are you and what are the consequences of what you're doing? Correct. Um, is, like for us, is it death? No, or is it just not a good meat? Or is it blowing a very important meat? You know, there's, there's all these things. Um, and then 
what meat is it? Maybe it's a meat where you're like, well, this is kind of like competition. You can't train competition. Like competition is only what it is. Like you can't, you can't do something and get exactly what there are certain things that there's nothing you can't, you can't simulate it. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. Competition is one of those. So you have to be willing enough to have comp do enough competitions where you're like, well, I had a bad meet. That's just the way it goes. Maybe I was the best there and somebody just got lucky or somebody had a great day and I didn't have a great day. Or maybe I had a bad season. It's committing. You can't expect to do it in one season. Right. If you are, great. Maybe next season won't be that way. Really? I don't know. Um, so there's kind of a lot of that too. You have to be... When did you actually start competing? I started competing in 2020. 2020. So I knew I wanted to do it, but where we were, there wasn't a lot of information on leagues and where to go, and I just wasn't certain on it. So I was like, I should be really good. I only really want to do it if I'm getting super egotistical, but I'm like, I only want to do it if I'm like good. I'm not expecting to win, but I want to. I don't want to go there and make an ass of myself. I want to be good. Of course. And so what I did unknowingly is train really hard and try to get really good, and that put me right at the top of the intermediate class. So my first season, I won the whole comp I won the whole year. I did really well actually, but it was super stressful and not what I was expecting for my first season. So then when you crush it your first year and then you go to pro, you're like, oh maybe I'm the next. Because there's always a couple people that are like that that person obviously does the work. Like it's not taken away that they're not hard workers, but some people are just naturally probably going to be the best at something right and everybody else is not so i was like oh i'm probably going to be the next like kurt or the next whatever next guy who's really good not the case i just mm -hmm. was good that year good at intermediate and not good in pro doesn't right. change it. it changes um we've probably talked about this but uh a parallel to that uh philip um business partner he shot um the first year he went to nationals in 2018 not only did he win the finale match, um, but he shot a perfect score on the second day. Heard the legend of Phil. And yeah. so, like, that that kind of screwed him up in the sense of, like, now I've got this, it's this, uh, it's attainable. I could do it. I did it. Right. And then not, anything else below that then becomes unacceptable. Sure. And then yep. that, that can be very, that can turn toxic really fast. And so that was, he said that was a really difficult thing for him to kind of overcome in the sense of like. I mean, that is progression. That is how that works. Like the next, so we're setting the bar for people that are learning how to do it in five years. Because in five years, those people that are just learning are going to be at this level as a beginner yep. pro or open or whatever, whatever you guys call it, classes. The, um, the competition is so deep now that sometimes the first seven slots are separated by two points. Yep. Three points. Absolutely. So, um, and then we have like tiebreaker stages that go for speed as well as accuracy. Um, so, I mean, if you miss a shot, you're pretty much out at that point in time. It's all speed. So um, it's getting really, the competition is getting really fierce. And I would imagine it's kind of the same thing in, in the skydiving world. Like the gear is all pretty, like nobody's got the secret sauce up the you know up the back sleeve type thing. I might say they do, but there there has been some new stuff come out in the last couple of years. But more and more people are starting to get on them, um, and so it's not 
so you are at a complete advantage if you're on a soup if you know these you know if you know if you know if you're in the soup or the mutant is a brand um it's an absolute advantage but it's kind of an absolute advantage as if all of a sudden you go to an incredibly crisp light trigger sure it's better if you know how to do it right if you know how to do so, it so not everything is just a pure advantage that'll sure. make you win so, meaning you have to train for it like so in our world the rifles are pretty much you know they're pretty much online yep, right with sure. with one another um in the world of custom rifles being built um there's not very much different in, difference in equipment now people's hand loads on the other hand depends on their process mm -hmm. most people are shooting cartridges these days that are really easy to load for and they're not very temperamental yeah, yeah. um so then it boils down to it's the it's the individual right so we teach in the we teach in in our intro classes or our our, our level one classes we have the circle of components, the rifle, the optic, and the ammo. Those three things have to be functioning properly in, in harmony with one another. Yep. But then the other aspect is the shooter. And so you have, um, you know, you could have a shooter that has a lot of, uh, a lot of resources to buy the best equipment possible. So, and I've seen that, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen that, you know, where it's just like, hey, I just bought what the internet said was the best. Yep. Right. Well, now that shooter is just, he's got a pile of really expensive metal and glass until he learns how to use it. So now it's like, now the shooter is in the mix and it's like that top 5%, you know, in that top 5%, that's where the mental game really starts to show up and say, okay, this is, you know, and every time I've ever shot and won matches or done well at matches, I've always just been uh, not trying, mm -hmm. not even caring. Absolutely. That I, that go, that's my approach. Everybody's a little bit different. Yeah, um, for sure. We're def skydiving is definitely, I would say, even less like that or maybe more like that. Our gear is pretty much all the same. You know, and, and if, you're, if you're a prototype jumper, sometimes, hey, maybe there's a prototype out there that is better. But who's to say how much better it is, unless it's like an absolutely ground-changing, innovative thing? Ten percent might be a stretch. Sure. Probably more like five percent, which is significant. But it is all very personal. Yeah, for sure. Same thing with. I mean, some people, you know, everybody, you know, Chevy Ford Dodge, right? Optics, chassis, or stocks that you would call stocks, rifle actions, barrel manufacturers, mm -hmm. all of it, right? Um, everybody's got good components mm -hmm. these days, sure. much like in, in the skydiving world. So, um, well, I mean, what's what's next for you? And where, what are your goals for the coming season? I mean, boy, that's a tricky one. Goals are always tough. I I made this goal. Somebody asked me, it was like in a New Year's. They're like, what was your resolution? And I answered it totally. Not Of course, brash, for. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I wasn't Smart brash. Ass. I was like, no, I, I, I'm like... I answered it not as a, re they're like, well, that's not a resolution. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Um, I was like, I want, and this is super broad and probably not going to happen. I want to be happy with every outcome of every meet. Ah, One, that's, that's, a, a, that's a huge, and that's, that's hard. That's, that's uh, harder than if I said I want to win every meet, that might be. That's some Zen shit right there. Be honest. But the, and then um, I think more than that, this one's actually might be more attainable and actually would go towards that. I want to be at each meet only i don't want to be thinking about the last meet so like a, when i was at the world cup i got fourth in the world it was my first world meet i was like man that's 
pretty cool. You know, fourth is weird. You don't get any medals. You don't really get any recognition, but you're like up there. So it's kind of a weird spot. Whatever. Pretty happy about it. And then I will go to Dubai, my first international meet, going somewhere else, jumping in Dubai, jumping in the Palm. It was a wild, it was a wild thing. And I like blew my first round and I was really dogging on myself being like, you're fourth in the world. Like this just goes to show that, you know, it was luck or it was whatever. You're actually not good. What, insert, turn it off. Turn that off. And I, and I actually, I was able to turn that off and I got a couple medals. I beat some people who I really look up to who are really good um, by pretty small margins. I mean, all the margins are pretty small. And I'd be, I think I beat Cornelia by like 0.4 points. So like tight. Um, and so, but I got some medals, got some prize money. So that was good. Um, but it, there was ups and downs. So, um, and that whole time I was able to kind of pull myself out of it and not think about it. But the whole time I was like, man, you're fourth. You should be, you should be better than this. Or now they're, you know, now these people are thinking that. They probably aren't. Doesn't matter. That's all internal stuff. So I want to be better at being at just one meet. Good, man. That's, that's a hell of a... I also wanted some medals. Well, yeah, you wanted some medals, but man, that's a hell of a... That's a good place to be, right? It's, that's one of the things is, is trying not to be... You can't be, you can't be focused on the outcome. You have to be focused and in love with the process. And so I'm... Like I've never actually, I've never actually like purposefully and intentionally trained to go shoot. And so I'm really stoked about, um, uh, getting that opportunity to do that and seeing truly where I'm going to, where I'm going to stack up. I would say, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a tricky one. I'd say, yeah, do some training. Don't take it too seriously yeah. and try. I would say this first season, just throw it away. This first season competition is training. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that would be my biggest thing. Cause if you really want to do it, unless you just want to do it one year, which that's, that's fine if you do. But if you really want to be like, you know, I have the goal. I'm like, I want to win a world championship. Cause that'll mean I'm the best swooper. I've learned now it doesn't, it just means you were that day. That's a great point, man. And so to me, the best swooper is the guy who's done it, who's been good for a long time and has won world championships. There you go. That's to me best. And like, obviously that's, kind of a broad thing, but you kind of get the point. Sure. And that guy probably was like, yeah, 2010 sucked. <laughs> yeah. That blew. But then 2015, I was killed it. I didn't lose a single meet because I knew how to do this because I'd taken the time to figure out what type of competition works for me. Maybe you're the focus, visualize, do the thing. Maybe you're just the fuck around guy who likes to joke around, but deep, like focused, but like will not, I like, I will not give a straight answer if I don't have to. <laughs> like we were at, I was at the World Cup and they had like actual like videos and live streams and announcers. It was pretty cool. So you had your biography and I didn't put a, I like, I, they're like, how many jumps do you have? I didn't write that down. I was just like, I, I like the like long this wicks like in the your... woods and, and smell of chainsaws yeah. and T-stroke or whatever. Yeah. You know what? And no, then fuck you. They you... were like, hey, hey, <laughs> what, like, he called down. He's like, oh, you're up this round. What's, you know, how many jumps you have? And I'm like, huh? It's like four, you know, so I. No, you did your interview with, with Parachute Magazine. I, I did. Yeah. I, you know how many tries it took me to fill it? Cause, yeah. Because oh, he, he, I filled those out online. I like, I typed those. Okay. So that was hard to not just fuck off. Well, you're a very, you're. You're a very humble man, dude. You're a very humble dude. And, um, you know, you've always been this way, well, ever since I've known you anyways. And um, 
sometimes it's difficult to sometimes it's difficult to step into your own right and and there's a there's a level of 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 healthy there's there's a polar opposite to everything mm -hmm. right so there's there's the thing and then there's the negative side of it and then there's the positive side of it and it's a 180 degree op, you know opposing force so you can have you know arrogance you know there's humility and then on the other end of the spectrum is arrogance but there is something in the middle yeah. that is a confidence in your own abilities and uh, doing it with a with a commanding presence but at the same time you know with with humility which is a very difficult balance to strike right. super hard yeah sure and you know you have to you have to know in your heart that you're capable of doing this and you have to believe that with every bit of your heart um you know one of the things that uh that that basham attributes to his win at the olympics is he's like i'd seen myself win the olympics a hundred thousand times sure you know like he'd gone over and over and over so there was only there was only one option mm -hmm. right? and that was to perform at, yep. his, at his best level. And so there's, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about this because every time I do these things, I, I learn more and more about myself. You're gonna learn so much for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it's gonna be fun. And I mean, we do, I mean, we, we put ourselves in front of our students all the time, every class. That was one of the things that I, that both Philip and myself took from our days as being military snipers is that um, our instructor staff never shot in front of us. Mm. They never shot in front of us. Yeah. They do, you know, maybe a demonstration here or there, but it never shot in front of us. And so now every class we do an evaluation and the, the instructor shoots the evaluation in front of the students mm -hmm. to set the bar and set the standard for that day. For sure, man. So that way it's like, hey man, if it's blowing, you know, 20 plus miles an hour out here and, um, you know, the best score that an instructor can put together is, you know, a, a 90%, or an 85%, whatever it ends up being, you can't expect your students to do better than that. Basic, basic, that's just basic leadership. Basic leadership, like, right? You so know. you you have to you know, put yourself out there, and that's one of the really important things. I had somebody send me a message, and they were just like, look, you know, there's only a couple of companies out there that, that I look to, um, and that's you, know, you guys and a couple other companies that are actually putting yourselves out in front of your peers saying, hey, I'm here to learn. I'm, I might not be the best, but I'm here to learn and, um, and, and not be afraid of doing that because yep. there's a lot of ego that surrounds our world as everybody's world. I mean, there's no, no difference. And yeah, I love people say, oh, the shooting sports are so egotistical. And it's just like, meh, it's all the same, man. Well, I, there, I have a lot of friends who are, have been or are competitive shooters that also skydive. There's a lot of, I have a, I've been, actually it's a surprising amount of veterans there as oh, well. Oh, for sure. Um, and so I think there's a lot of crossover there. You know, it's people are all the same. Yep, absolutely. So it's a journey. It's it's a journey. It's a it's a it's a like it's an epic adventure. And um, you know, I'm I'm super pumped for it, and I'm I'm excited to to just put that focus and that energy mm -hmm. there because it's been a while since I've had some goals. I haven't had very many goals lately. That's the goal has just been surviving lately. Dude, tell you what. Um, that's honestly my biggest advice. People ask me, like, oh, how do you like like newer jumpers? You know, and like I I still consider myself a newer jumper. I'm not, um, but I just consider myself the young kid there, you know. Um, so it's always weird to get people ask advice. But somebody always looks up to somebody. You're always everybody, you know. 
And so people are like, oh, what's your advice to like have fun or what, like what's your advice to a newer jumper? Which is just a really broad question. I'm like, I don't know, really learn how to question. fucking land a parachute, whatever. <laughs> but the, the, to me, the real advice is like, have a goal, choose a goal that's like relatively attainable. Doesn't need to be like crazy. Also doesn't need to be stupid. Right. Um, and then also have fun doing it. Right. You know, especially like skydiving, swooping, there's no money in it. That's, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because there's no money in the shooting sports either. Yeah, costs a lot, doesn't make any. Exactly. So for everybody here um, in the audience, what does it cost be to go compete at a swoop meet? Um, so at the World Meet, so at the World Cup, um, it was a $1,400 entry fee. And that got me nine jumps. Or, yeah, it, that buys your jumps. Okay. And that's it. Maybe sometimes you'll get like a jersey or whatnot, just like from there. Okay. Um, and then obviously airfare to get there and then gear. So I have different years. I've been last year, I was only on one canopy. I was only on one size per, or two, actually, sorry, two canopies. So one per discipline and one was using for two. Um, and then two different containers. So each one of these peregrines, um, they're about 4,700 bucks. I have, I get deals through performance designs, um, as one of their athletes. So it's a little bit different for me, but that wing is $4,700 per wing and at about 500 jumps, uh, per wing before it's unairworthy. Um, it's a hundred jump. It's about a hundred jumps per set of lines. So the lines, those are 100 to 150 bucks to get them replaced. You also have to, there's downtime because you have to send it to the manufacturer if you're not a rigger. Each container, so each container I have for a different discipline. So I have a supine harness for speed and distance, and then I have a conventional harness for accuracy. Those are with the reserve. My mutant was 3,500 bucks, four grand, and I got a pretty good deal on it. So, you know, each one of these things you're looking six grand per container. Um, this current season, I'll be going with three peregrines. So I have each discipline, I'll have a different size and each one of those would be 45, 4,600 bucks. And you're going through a, can you're going through a canopy, what, every season? Well, the more you have, the less one on each. Yeah, you're kind of Basically, every other season. Every other season. Yeah. So you're 40, you know, yep. 4,700 bucks mm -hmm. every other season. For sure. Yeah, and, um, so, and then jump, obviously, like, once you're there to train, so, like, you're at the drop zone a week leading up, because to me, if you're going to spend the money to go, don't pinch pennies. I'm like, well, I'm going to save, you know, five, like, a thousand extra bucks to and not jump early, so you're just wasting the money to be there if you're not going to, if you're not going to perform as best as you have the opportunity to, Right. why are you going? Sure. You know, people are like, oh, I'm like, I'm like and I get if you have work, or I get it, like, I do understand. Um, but Sarbanes is like, well, if you're going to do this, take the time to do it right and give yourself the best opportunity because it's going to be hard enough just to do it right with all the things going right. Sure. So I'm there for a week, probably 20 to uh, 50 jumps would be a lot in a week. So 20 to 30 jumps leading up, not even the competition. So each competition, a cheap one, you're looking at, you know, two to three grand per competition. And that's not including any sort of breakdown for gear and whatnot. Yeah. So that's... That's about right. I mean, if you're, um, you know, for us, so like to go travel, right? Obviously, we actually just had uh, the first year of international competition. Mm, nice. So that's pretty badass. Um, 
and uh, but national competition, right? It's your airfare. Obviously, it's usually it's they're two day events. Mm -hmm. um, entry fees are about three hundred bucks for the match, um, and you're loading probably well two hundred and fifty rounds of ammo. Yep. So how much ever that costs, you know, um, and our barrels will last. Uh, well, your your flight, your travel, your staying places. A lot of people camp at the venues yep. and stuff like that. I'm to a save big money. camper myself. Um, and uh, you're you're a hanger bum. I'm a camp. I well, you're a I hanger bum. I don't really usually sleep in the hangar, To be fair, but yes, no, I, I definitely. <laughs> um, I like sleeping. People are always like, oh man, you can sleep in a tent. You just stay at my house, and I'm like, yeah. Then I gotta get a car, and then I gotta like wait up until you go to sleep. I unless it's like hot and like humid Florida type stuff. Sleeping outside is great. Like, I'm going down to Arizona in January, and it's usually cold down there. People are, like, legitimately concerned because I'll just, like, coyote camp, so I'll have a tarp on a, on a line. Yeah. And my, you know, it's like a $600 sleeping bag. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you're cold. Do you want to sleep with them? I'm like, no, I'm fine. This is great. I love this. This is, like, a really nice sleeping bag, actually. So I'm fucking, I'm And good. I'm going to sleep really well tonight. I'm going to sleep so good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, I, but yes, regardless. Yeah, yeah you got, yeah, so you have, yeah, I mean, people are spending you know, two or three grand. I mean, people definitely spend more than I do because they'll usually rent cars and they'll do this. I usually, I don't mind. Well, to me, that's not even rough. And I grew up in the woods and whatnot where, you know, you can actually rough it. We're sleeping in a tent with like a phone charger <laughs> and a coffee maker and like a little Bialetti and like a jet boil. That's not roughing it. But yeah, you know, to some people that that's really rough. rough. So, you know, yeah. if you rent a car and you a hotel and places to stay and uh, drinks and stuff after, you know, at night, that adds up. It definitely adds, adds up because there's obviously a social aspect of it, for sure. And there's a lot. Of, I mean, so basically, at the end of the day, you're dedicated to doing it, right? It's a it's a commitment. So, well, V, um, where can people where can people find you and and watch your journey? I know you're not super huge on social not media. Not super huge on social media. You should um, probably get better at that. I know. I need to get better at that. It's it's a balance. That might be one for another topic of you know sponsorship and priorities and jobs and whatnot but yeah uh you can find me on instagram kind of shoeless v or if you just look up my name v buck crib mm -hmm. um i'm on facebook but more just kind of socially there and that's pretty much it i haven't delved in any of the other sure platforms there i was on tiktok for about that long and i <laughs> we talked about doing a tiktok account for modern day slash yeah, I was like, like oh no God. i couldn't do it so um yeah I, I need to get better at it, but uh, the, the sponsorships aren't quite there, to be honest, where it's like, well, you know, the best sponsorship you can get is sometimes not worth. I'd rather just maybe have my tree business be successful. I can feel that, brother. Pay full price. I can totally feel that. I don't have that. to worry about it, but there's a balance there. So Instagram mainly is where you can find me, Instagram or Facebook. Uh, I will be at the World Championships in September. I will be Where's in... Where's Worlds at? That's in Pretoria, South Africa. That's right, yeah. That's and then awesome, I man. will be in uh, Rayford, North Carolina for USBA Nationals to make the team again because you have to make the team every year. Um, that'll be end of August. I'll have a pretty busy month there. I'll probably be gone for about a month straight, which yeah. that'll be an expensive meet. Needless for to sure, say. right. And then there's the USCPA. That's a like it's a, just a US league. Um, that starts in March, so I'll be going on Florida in March there. So. Okay, man. Um, I'll try to get better putting stuff online, but no, no, no it's guarantees just, there. You know, it's uh, it's it's cool for people to watch on your on your path. 
it's going to be really cool to watch you too. So I'm looking forward to making some jumps with you and, so, dude. and learning from you this uh, sure, man. this spring and summer. We'll have to trade off. I'll we'll just teach me how to sling some lead. Yeah, sure, man. Well, we have the we have the means. You got the stuff. So yeah. I know a guy. Yeah. yeah. And and the range is actually like 15 minutes that way. Sweet. So it's yeah, perfect. Man. Dude, this was a blast, man. For sure. Appreciate it. Yeah. Fantastic. Mike's worked. Mike's worked. Yeah, the mic's, mic's worked. worked. Be, sorry, Phil. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great.